0: Y'all doing good? I'm glad you're doing good, boss. Everybody else is still asleep, I think. Yeah, hey, I just want to say, um, I love listening to Anthony play. Especially when he hits those high notes, and he's going, diddle, 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 diddle. but there's something about him hitting those high notes. I'm just like, man, that's so good. But hey, I want to start off this morning by, um, you can go ahead and turn me up a little bit, Dad, if you want to. Um, I want to start off by this morning, by quoting one of my favorite people, in all of history. Huh. It's Cody. One of my favorite people in all of history, which is Winston Churchill. I think he was an amazing leader. Amazing leader, especially during war times. And um, he's, he said this quote that kind of, like, I've just been really into him lately. And this is one of the things he says. And he says, um, he's, my watch says I'm working out. Um, he, says, he says this. Okay? He says, success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Like, that's a pretty, like, pretty good quote. Like, it's like, I mean, I feel like that's in my life sometimes, minus the, sometimes I lose enthusiasm. I feel like sometimes I keep going from failure to failure and failure, right? And here's, and here's the thing that I've noticed about all of us in, in humanity. It's like, we inside of us, there's just something that, that we're striving to be, we strive to be a better version than we were, were yesterday. You with me? Like we all have that we're trying to better ourselves, trying to, trying to be better. But what happens as humans oftentimes is that we get so caught up in the striving that we begin to, that we begin to focus on the, and notice more the failures more than the growth. And, and it kind of leads us to a, into a, to a place where it's just kind of like, do I just keep going? We start noticing failures more than growth because we, we, are, we forever feel like we're, we're missing the mark. You with me? Do anybody else feel like we're missing the mark? Like, I feel like I, I feel like I fail often. I feel like I fall short often. And this is, let's just be straight up honest. We all miss the mark. We miss the mark terribly. But at the end of the day, we're fighting for that last inch. We're fighting for that promotion. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for that last, Can you fill in the blank. We're striving to be better, and I, it got me thinking, what kind of got me thinking about this this week is um, Monday was front squat day over here at the gym. It's front squat day, and I don't know if you've ever done front squats, but front squats suck. I'm just telling you, it, it's bad. Well, several months ago, we were on this front squat uh, circuit, and um, the last time that I PR'd, and PR'd means your personal record. Or you know, you're so your best of the best at that point. My personal one rep max was two twenty five. And and I was and so Monday when it came along it was another max rep day. What what not max rep, but max weight day and I was like, Okay, today I'm on to PR. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that two twenty five, you know, because everybody else is like doing four hundred and I'm over here like weak. You know what I'm saying? And they're all looking at me saying, like, do you even lift bro? And it's just embarrassing and I go home and I cry. And, um, but, so here we go, I walk up to the bar, I do, I warm up, do some warm up weights up to my last PR, 225, I got 225, I was like, man, that is easy, that was so easy, right, and so I slapped on, I slapped on some fives on the side, made it 235, right, so I get there and I'm like, oh yeah, I got it, so I got 235, which I should be happy about, that's a 10 pound PR, you know what I'm saying, but I was like, you know, I can do more, that's pretty easy, so I put I took the fives off and put t- uh, tens on each side, or we'll make it 245, right? And, and I get down to the bottom of the squat, and I'm like, huh, this ain't coming up. And you're in that weird position, you know, where you're like, you're squatted down here, and you're like, huh, is anybody looking? Because you're about to let it roll off the front of you, you know? And so I let it roll off the front of me, and hopefully it would be quiet, but I don't know if you ever had 245 pounds hit the floor. It's loud. And then it rolls and hit the rig, and everybody looks, and they're all like, what are you doing, you idiot? And and I spent the rest of the day going, like, man, I should have fought hard, harder, because I gave up once I hit the bottom. You with me? I get, once I hit the bottom, I, I kind of gave up, and I was just like, you know, I, I'm, this is too heavy, I ain't picking it up, even though I think I could have if I just kept fighting, because there's something inside of us that just wants to keep fighting for better. We want better marriages, we want better better kids, we want better this, we want better that. And this fight often carries into our spiritual life as well. It's this fight often carries us into our relationship with Christ, this fight to be holy, the fight against our flesh, the fight to always do what is right. And our friend David actually records the voice of God, God's voice iterating this simple command to us. And it's this simple man, command found in Psalms forty-six, ten. He says, stop striving and know that I am God. That doesn't make much sense, does it? Because we're taught our whole life, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make something of yourself. You got to keep working hard to be better and better and better. And here's God saying, "No, no, I want you to stop fighting for a minute and trust that I am God." Now, this isn't saying don't do what is right. This is saying, how often do we that that we we fight and we strive and we and we do so much, and it just seems like we're always leading to failure. Why? Because if we're Focusing on our strength and not his. Here's the thing. When strivings, cease, when strivings cease, it's an invitation to rethink our preoccupation with what? Approval. Why do you do what you do? You're seeking approval. Why do you do better at your job? Because you're seeking approval, a.k.a. you want to raise. Why do you buy the bigger bouquet for your wife the next time you go buy our flowers? Which I'm poor. what buying my wife flowers, y'all? I gotta get get on me. She's like, you know what I mean? Give me flowers. flowers. I'm just like, I'm sorry. I don't think about. It. I'm a guy, you know. I'm like other guys do it. I was like, well, I'm not other guys. Okay, I'm sorry. She's not here, so I can say I can talk about her. You know what I'm saying? Why is it that we keep doing this stuff? It's because we're so pre we're so preoccupied with approval, and it's this striving that comes because we we feel like we're for like we're forever missing the mark, our mark marking our relationship. With our spouses and our kids, a mark for for with a deeper relationship with our with our Father in Heaven. But this striving, this let your striving cease. It offers a deep, a deeper abiding understanding of what God's generous, unmerited favor really accomplishes in and through us when we receive grace. Because grace is—I don't know if you know the definition, which is the the fancy version is unmerited favor, but that what it really means down to earth for common folk like myself, what it means is you were given something that you couldn't earn anyway. You got paid without having to do anything. For millennials, that should be, like, amazing. Right? Sorry, is that, is that too much of a low blow? I am one, so I can talk talk about it, okay? But internally, this command just seems really hard, doesn't it? How do I stop... Fighting? How do I stop uh, striving? How do I how do I do this? Because all my life I've been told you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You got to get a, put a little elbow grease into it. Just a side story. I know I've been telling a lot of side stories. One time I was cleaning the counter when I was a kid, and my mom said you need to put a little elbow grease into it. So the smart aleck that I am, I went started cleaning with my elbow, and she whipped me. Um, so most of us grew up being told that we had to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You've got to make something of yourself. Which is really the result of being, being under Christ, not the means to, to Christ, Christ's approval for your life. You're already approved. You've already been accepted. You've already received grace. So I'm saying all this. I said all that to say that I believe Christ is telling you and me this morning that the fight is and will one day be over. That part of you on the inside that wants to strive, that keeps fighting, that you start. You, I mean, let's just be honest. We get wore out sometimes. When will I be that? We have that whatever that is for you. Like, when will I be that? When when I will I have, will I have that relationship with Jesus that I always wanted? And the fact is, the, mat, the fact the matter is, is that you already have that relationship. Your fighting is actually, your fighting, your striving is actually a distraction. Be still and know that I am God. Let striving cease and know that I am God. The fight is and will one day be over. Why? Later on, David wrote in that same chapter in Psalm 46, he wrote this, he says, Here he stands. Who? Who's who's he? The commander. The mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. He strives for us. To let all striving cease. Be still and know that I am God. So you're like, Derek, what does all that have to do with heaven? What does that have to do with our eternal state? What does that have to do with where I'm going one day? And I'm so, so, so glad that you asked. Now I've got a microphone, so I'm going to tell you. The writer, we have this book in the Bible, it's it's titled Hebrews, and here's why it's titled Hebrews. This book was written to us, um, written to us, and went to our Jewish brothers and sisters who converted to Christianity because they grew up in a system where you where seemingly you had to do better, be better, and do what is right, and always follow the law to make God happy. Right. So here they are. They're, conver- they're converted into into Christianity, and they're following Christ, and they're believers now in Christ, and. And they're being, they're being told, they're being torn to things that Christ did it all. And in their past going, you have to work for it. Are you making sacrifices? Are you being circumcised? Are you doing this? Are you following the rules and rituals and all this stuff? So they're being torn. And they've spent most of their life over here in this, in this side of things. So there's this tug and pull of saying, saying i got to work for God to love me. I've got to work for God to love me. Even though Jesus' message the whole time is, I'm doing the work. But so you don't have to. So there's this tug in this pool, and it's like, and people are like, I'm just, I can just imagine getting, get this, there seemed to be no rest. I came close to putting on our schedule today, um, I ain't no rest for the wicked, you know, drunk trees, but I figured, you know, didn't want to make anybody, anyways. We had this, we have Jewish converts that grew up in a system that you had to seemingly obey the law, do everything right to be good, be in good standing with God and this would have weighed so heavy, heavily on the people uh, the people that they were being torn back and forth if so they probably they probably still felt the weight to strive to fight to do to be to to do the right things always because that's what they grew up in they probably read by by custom because it's so they probably washed their hands a certain way because that's how they did it. They probably cut their meat a certain way. They they ate a certain way. They still did this a certain way because that's how they grew up. There was still this pull this strive to do what is right, to do what is holy, to do what is this. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but sometimes when we got, start doing those things, our 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 alliance and our and our and our trust comes in those in those things and it does in the one who saved us. You with me? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews tells these Jewish converts and really and honestly tells us. He starts off by saying this. He says, Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled with, when, when Joshua brought the people into the land. So here they are. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, right? And now they're finally entering the promised land, is what this is referring to. And the place of rest, the place where God had promised them this promised land that we have also a promise of in the future you were just making the comparison? Now if, now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. Stare there, Lear. Now, if this, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we have this promise that a day will come when all striving and fighting will forever be extinct. Because rest implies, from a biblical standpoint, to cease activity, to stop working toward perfection, mainly because, because here's the deal, because of Christ, you are already made perfect in God's eyes. Because when He sees you, He sees His Son, and His Son's sacrifice was worthy and capable and is has the ability to save and cleanse. So even now we can stop fighting and trust, be still, and rest at the fact that He is God. It implies that we can stop working toward perfect, perfection, mainly because you were made perfect in His eyes because of of Christ's sacrifice. It is why Paul why Paul wrote to us via Colossians. This is the way he wrote. I love. This, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy. Oh man, Dick, I don't feel worthy. To, um, I feel like I need to go clean myself up. I need to go do this. I had a friend one time who told me, like, I've done so much in my past, I don't think God could save me. And because I can't clean myself up, I can't rid myself of my past. And this, Paul, right to us says your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy, how God cleans you up. Uh, God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by by living in the light. Pause right there just for a second. While living in the light. This means means he did the work. We can rest in his work because it's free. We didn't have to work for it. We can rest in it. It's freely given. And then, then verse 13 goes on to say, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. He did the work, we can rest in His work. He's doing all of it. Verse 14, he goes, Paul would go on to say, For in the Son all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of the redemption through His very blood. This, the, because of His sacrifice, we are released from the work and so that we can enter into His rest. Because the work of rede- redemption came through His sacrifice, and nothing else. in fact, this is, if you read the context of what this is written before we get to the last verse of it here, you read, it, 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 it's looking back how the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was just a shadow, a foreshadowing of what Christ would do later on the cross. It's Jesus' sacrifice that cleanses. Actually, he, what he's saying was all these sacrifices you made before, everything that you gave up before, everything that you laid out before are, is worthless compared to Christ's sacrifice because they could not save you, that he is can. You with me? And then if we skip to verse 20 of that same chapter, he says, And by the blood of the cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. You are innocent in the eyes of God as a follower of Jesus. You are washed clean. You are washed clean. The very thing you are striving for is already available in Christ's sacrifice. We can rest from our fighting, we can rest from from our sin nature. We we can stop fighting the darkness inside of us, and th- stop fighting for our approval. We can do all of that, all of that because of what Christ has done in Him. So we can do that now. We can do that now. That's the that's the now. How the fight it is now, forever over. You know, all, all this means is like, if you want to take it in note form, we can say it like this: We don't have to try harder. We just gotta trust more. You trust your heavenly Father that He can save you. You trust. Him. You trust that the sacrifice is good enough to save you. And if so, He's the one that fought for you. Remember, we read it back at the beginning. The God, uh, uh, the God of Jacob, the God of Joshua, the God of our forefathers. He fights for us because we can't fight ourselves. I love the way this guy. His name is Don Smith. He puts it this way, and I love it. He says, "Rest is the the capacity to experience God in all things and recline at His feet." And recline at His feet. I'm going to read it again because it's a little bit of a long. One, we we'll give people the opportunity to write it down. Rest is the capacity to experience God in all things and recline at His feet. You trust God enough where you can sit, just sit at His feet. Or do you feel like you have to keep doing and doing and doing for him to pay attention to you? The writer of Hebrews goes on to say this, he says, Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. Verse 9, so we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. There is a day coming when we will stand face-to-face with Jesus, complete and whole. The struggle, the fight from within, that the fight that we have the, the, with, with 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 darkness, that fight for approval, that fight that we have all of, of us will finally end. Even the want-to-do-more will end because we will stand complete before Him. You and I will be whole before the Savior and the Creator of the universe. Complete. Like all those things that you feel are missing in your life, all those voids in your life, those dark places in your life, they will be gone, and you will stand whole and complete before Jesus in heaven. as a believer. And he goes on to say this, he says, As we enter into God's faith-rest life, we cease from our own works, just as God celebrates His finished work, works and rests in them. So then we must give... Give, give our all and be eager to experience this faith, faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. Because you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Right? You keep doing the same things, trying, trying to figure out, like, trying, trying to fight for it to be better, to do better, and, and to be these things. You're getting the same results because you're doing the exact same thing you've always done. So, why don't you do something different and just recline at Jesus' feet? As we eagerly wait for the day where, where all fighting cease, we allow Christ to do this work in us. That's why I love that song, Heaven, where it talks about go ahead and do the surgery, it's worth it dig inside of me, find those dark places where I don't trust you, where I don't rest in you, all those fears, those anxieties, and and go ahead and cut those out so that I can totally rest in you. In fact, you know it's already being done. Right? The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, he says, for we had this living word of God, which is full of energy. Some translations say they say like total, like says, adequate, this word of God is adequate like, to say, like, in regards to saving us. But it's full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. And I love this. A little freaky, but it scares me a little bit. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. And it interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secrets and secret motives of our hearts. See why it's scary? There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render account. Read that again. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, but nothing that we do remains a secret. And nothing created creative is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render account the day that we stand before Jesus. You see why that can be scary. The motives of your heart is already known. The secrets in your mind are already, 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 already circuited through. He knows everything about you. And see, that's why people, when people read that, that's a little fearful. But I'm gonna let y'all know something. It, I kind of feel feel a release here. While most people feel stand in fear of God doing that with them, like I like I feel relieved because it releases me from trying to hide or pretend that I can fake fighting in the darkness, because He already knows that we can't. He already knows that you can't. It, it releases me from having to wear a mask, especially when I'm in His presence, because He knows me. He knows me. In fact, this is, You want to talk about being able to fight those demons. No, you can't fight those demons. In fact, you are no match for the fight you're facing. You are no match for the fight that you're facing, but the fight is no match for God. Stop fighting. Stop striving. And trust and see that He is God. It tells me that He knows me. He really knows me and still loves me to the point to where he, he will fix and cure everything that is wrong in me. And all I have to do is stop striving and stop fighting and recline at His feet from now throughout eternity. Because there's a day coming when I will be able to rest from my fight. Even rest from the want fight I can rest from the fight, but there will be a day where I won't even have to think about the fight anymore. There's a day coming where you don't even have to think about it. It'll be a distant, far away memory. Remember that time when I tried to do fix this situation? You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Luckily, Jesus had it because I screwed that one up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> start swapping stories in heaven. So, what is this? What does this mean? What what should be what should be our our what should be our response to to the fact that the fighting is now and forever extinct? What should be our response from this, from here to eternity? What should be our response from here to eternity? Especially the day that we stand face to face. With Jesus. And I think we get a picture of this, of what it's gonna look like because of all this, because the fight Jesus is fighting for us, because the fight is over with. There's this picture in the book of Revelation of what people do because of it. Because of his sacrifice, because of what he done on the cross, we can stop fighting. And so you wanna know what that response is? How people respond? I love it. He says this Revelation seven nine. After this, I looked, and, and behold, right in front of me, I saw a vast multitude of people. This is John looking into heaven. Okay. An enormous multitude, so huge that no one could count, made up of various ones from every nation, tribe, people, group, and language. They were all glistening in glistening white robes, standing before the throne and before the Lamb with palm branches in their hands. And they shouted out with a passionate voice, you ready? You don't know what they said, Shouted. You can go into verse ten. And they shouted with a passionate voice. Salvation belongs to our God, seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. You imagine being there? Like, imagine. This about just, just picture it. Ready? All the angels were standing in a circle around the throne with the elders and the four living creatures, and they were they and they all fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. You wonder how they worshipped. They sang. So if you don't like singing and you don't like music, you may not want to go to heaven. You ready? He, they said, "Amen." Praise and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is good love. Goes on to say, then one of the elders asked, him, "Who are these in glistening rock, white robes, and where have they come from?" This is what he said. I answered, My Lord, you must know that, he, that he's... Because John didn't want to screw this up. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, I ain't screwing this up. Then he said to me, They are the ones who have washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb and have emerged from the midst of the great pressure our and him. guess what? Part of them are me and you. Part of them are tribulation saints. Part of them are being human. You. you ready? For this reason, they are before the throne of God, ministering to him as priests day and night within his cloud filled sanctuary, and the enthroned one spreads over them in his tabernacle shelter. Their souls will be completely satisfied, and neither the sun nor any scorching heat will affect them, for the Lamb at the, at the center of the throne continuously shepherds them unto life, guiding them to the everlasting fountains. I don't know if you remember this from last week. There is a river guiding through everlasting fountains of the water of life that flows from the throne. You ready? And God will wipe away every last tear. Woo! Then Revelation 4.8 says, each of the four living creatures had six wings, full full of eyes, and all full of eyes all around and under their wings. They looked at me freaking, Okay, they worshipped without ceasing, day and night. Here it is again. They worshipped. Our response is always, now and forever, will be worshipped without worship without ceasing, day and night, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. And when, and whenever the living creature, whenever the le- living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one who is enthroned and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fell face down before the one lives forever and ever, and they surrendered their crowns before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you, for you created all things, and by your plan, they were created and exist. Who will be singing? You are holy. You are worthy. And they were all singing. Revelation five, we can say in verse nine, and and they were all singing this new this new song of praise, the Lamb, because you were slaughtered for us. You are worthy to take the scroll upon its seals. Your your blood your blood uh, seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us, and all redeem means that they buy back. Your that's why it's. Sacrifice was what was adequate. That's why sacrifice, the blood of the cross, made it made it possible. You're, you purchased us to bring bring us to God out of every type language, people, group, and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us, and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the on the earth. And he goes on to say, he says, and I looked, and I heard the voices of myriads of angels encircling around the throne. As well as as the voices of the living creatures and the elders, elders, myres and myres, that's a bunch. And as I watched, all of them were singing with thunderous voices, worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was who was slaughtered to receive great power and might, wealth and wisdom, and honor and glory and praise. Then every living every living being joined. That's all of us. Every living being joined the angelic choir, every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and in the sea, and everything in them were worshiping with one voice saying, praise and honor and glory and dominion be to God enthroned, and, and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures responded, amen. And the 24 elders threw themselves face down to the ground and worshiped. That will forever be our response. That will forever be our response to what Christ has done by fighting the fight for us. You want a picture of heaven? Picture the best worship music you ever heard in your life. Anthony up there shredding, and the voices sing. Just Imagine for a second. Imagine for a second you're standing there. You walk into heaven, and you're you're there because of this second. You're you're like I can't believe I'm here. Like I do believe I'm here because I know I'm a, I'm a believer. And I'm a Christian, but like, can you like? I'm hope somebody walks in with me, like, can you believe we're here? Like, 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 just imagine with me for a second. You start hearing all this music start coming up, and all of a sudden, you start hearing voices sing. eternity, they just keep on singing. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, was His Son. All creation I sing, praise to the King of kings, you are my everything, I will for you. Can you imagine being there that day? Actually you can because you're a believer, you're gonna be there that day. When you step into eternity and you get to just sing holy, holy, holy at the feet of Jesus, all of eternity. You'll be face to face with your King, your Savior, and your Lord. All because all because of what He did for you in this life. The short little span that you're alive. It's like that little dash. As you see on tombstones, that's a short little, like, um, I'll just be honest, like, I've thought a lot about death lately. thought a lot about death. And sometimes it's joyful, and sometimes it's like, the empty, like, I'm going to die one day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, 10 out of 10 people die. They don't make it. (laughs) Okay. And it's part, like why does that fear set in? And 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 uh, uh, like for me, and I'm sure it's probably like um, it's the fear of not being remembered. You with me? Not Being remembered, but this tells me, heaven tells me that I will always be remembered by the one who saved me. Because he fought for me, and you don't forget things you fight for. So yes, I can stand in the middle of graveyards and go, I am so jealous. I'm so jealous because these people are standing face to face with Jesus today, and here I am looking at y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are good, good looking. I'm just gonna say, what I'm saying, but, but one day you will be there. There, you'll you will be there, and you will be able to sing, "Holy, holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty." worthy is the Lamb who was slain, because of what He did for you in this short little dash of a life. So in this short little dash of a life, quit trying so hard and just be with your king. Just be with your king. Be with your Savior. Let him do the work. And those things will eventually change in your life that you're looking for. You with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here. Thank you that we have a home waiting for us that is so much better than this world much better than the that we face, And I'm also going to say thank you so much for being that two-edged sword that, that penetrates to the bone and marrow, to the spirit, that you know me and you still love me and you're working those things out in my life. You're working out those dark places in my life. And that one day I will be able to just sit at your feet and sing to you and worship you for all of eternity. Just sing holy, holy, holy the Lord God Almighty. Just the fact that I'll be in your presence and that you will be there face to face, and God may that impact the world that's around me now, the community that I'm in, the people that I'm around. May Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May I be a piece of what heaven is for somebody. And I pray all this in Your name. Amen. I think.